Welcome to the first episode of the inaugural, the the first, the premiere, the whatever adjective you want to use. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the From the Booth podcast. My name is Cody Clark. My co-host for this show is Evan Eichen. You'll be hearing from him in just a minute. Uh, this is the first episode, as I mentioned, of the From the Booth podcast, a concept that Evan and I kind of dreamt up, and I'll bring Evan in right here. Evan, uh, how are you, sir? It is a wet Wednesday outside. We're in the middle of a uh, we're in the middle of a storm watch until five p.m. So uh, I'm kind of afraid to go outside. But other than that, things are good. Oh, that's no fun. I I can tell you this, and and for those of you listening, we are, we are in two different locations. I am in sunny South Florida, so not dealing with any rain right now. And Evan, for the for the listeners, you are in. I am in. Tiny, currently wet Forest City, Iowa. Uh, we uh, once upon a time we were co-hosts uh, of the KZOW radio station, which, by the way, uh, next thir- next Thursday, the nineteenth, nine nineteen nineteen is KZOW Day. Um, so happy okay. KZOW Day next week for Love them. That. And that that kind of, that kind of I guess at the top here we we'll give a little bit of background of the way that you and I got started and you and I got connected here. And you mentioned you're in forest city, Iowa. That's where, that's where you and I met. We both went to Waldorf university. Well, I, I'm, I guess it's Waldorf. It was Waldorf college when we went there. And then my last year, it changed to Waldorf university. But anyway, that's neither really here nor there. Uh, we both went to Waldorf. Uh, we were both communications majors. Uh, you mentioned KZOW. That was our student radio station that we had on campus. Uh, that was kind of underneath the communications umbrella. Uh, and that's where you and I met. You know, we, we were working in the sports group. Uh, we were working broadcasting games. Uh, we did football. We did volleyball. We did soccer, basketball. Uh, you name it, we broadcasted it uh, on KZOW. We did a couple of weekly sports shows together. Uh, am I leaving anything out? I think that's how we met. That's how we got started. Uh, no, I think that about covers it all. I think that if we were like the odd couple, uh, you were like the clean, had your act together one, and I was sort of like the messy, you know, things will figure itself out. I, I wish I could go talk to 19, 20 year old me and say, hey, look, you got to take this thing a little bit more seriously than you're doing right now. Uh, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. But. I, I'm glad that we were able to uh, make this all work all these years. Uh, I wouldn't say all these years. It's only been about three and a half, four years. But uh, you, know, hey, these, you, you these say years. all these years like it's been a long time, Evan. It hasn't been that long. No, it's only been like three or four years. I was going to say, I'm not I'm not, not very old. Come on now. Don't do that to me. Neither yeah, so am I. We, we met. Uh, we were doing, doing broadcasts, doing shows. Uh, and then Evan has a podcast as well. And so he brought me on that show a couple of different times. And I was already thinking of starting a podcast in the first place. And so we kind of, you know, kind of thought, well, I mean, Evan, you've had me on your show a couple of times. I'm thinking of starting something. Why don't we just collab and, and kind of get this thing rolling? Uh, it took uh, zero arm twisting uh, on, <laughs> on, on your part. Uh, so th- how that got started was when I graduated from when I graduated from school, I did some like seasonal work for like KZW, like KZW for uh, you know the local radio station KRW and KHAM and all that. Just like board operating for you know West Hancock football, which was the high school, which is a high school about twelve miles from where we are. But the two radio stations merged, so we covered the local four city games and the West Hancock games. So I did that for about a year, and I I went. Th- I went a good chunk of the last couple of years just thinking, I guess that part of my life is over now. And then I got this idea of, well, why don't I just start like my own interview podcast with people that have local ties. And it's just like, I'm sure that the people you run into have a story and they got to that part in their life somehow. So it started out last November, just kind of like a, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And it has grown into something that I've really enjoyed doing every couple of weeks and uh, just meeting new people, learning like about how they got to where they are. And it's, it's definitely something that 
I wish I would have done a couple of years ago, but I mean, I'm doing it now and that's what's important. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. And, and, you know, kind of for, for me, for the same thing, you know, just to get, you know, get some experience and, and talk to different people and be able to sit and connect with you and, and just talk sports, you know, that's, that's something at Waldorf, that's something, you know, we, you know, we kind of met and we're both involved initially in the sports group of KZOW. And that's just something that, you know, we've always had in common. And so, you know, Hey, why not get together? Why not do this? Let's do a podcast. Uh, the, from the booth podcast, getting that name, I guess, you know, both of us being, being broadcasters in college and then pursuing that type of career after college, I thought it was only fitting that we have some sort of, you know, from the booth, the broadcast booth kind of announcer tie in with that. So, you know, if that works, great. If not, well, that's what the podcast is called, so deal with it. But uh, but uh, anyway, first episode of the From the Booth podcast, uh, we are going to be hosted on Anchor, uh, so you can find us through a variety of different ways that, that we'll get to a little bit later on. But Evan, I want to jump in. We're going to start right away with uh, the National Football League. Uh, NFL is fully underway. And off the top here, we've got to get our predictions down because... You know, this is something that you and I have gone back and forth in, back and forth on in the days leading up to the NFL. So we understand that games have been played, that week one is in the books. However, these predictions were already in the books, if that makes sense. So we've already laid these out. So call us out if you want for doing predictions after week one. But, you know, we've kind of laid these things out. And so... We're going to hit those really quick before we get into Antonio Brown, before we get into week one overreactions, all sorts of different things in the NFL. But Evan, your predictions, uh, if you've got those pulled up, and I was looking at it when we laid them out, you and I have very similar predictions. Now we have some teams in different places, but we have pretty similar positions. So go ahead and lay out in, we'll start in the AFC with the, the division by division. We'll go with the winners. Uh, we'll, we'll pick the Super Bowl as well, uh, MVP and some things there. So go ahead and start with the AFC and how you see the AFC shaking out. Okay, well, the AFC East is something I spent maybe like five seconds thinking about. Well, that's three uh, seconds too long. Uh, it's like New England's going to win that division. Like The only way New England doesn't win that division is if for some reason Robert Kraft just folds the team out of nowhere. Uh, the I still have, even though they lost Andrew Luck, I still have the Indianapolis Colts winning the AFC South, which can be that's, seen. That's bold. That's a, that's a warm take on your part because you, for those of you that don't know, I've been, I've been an Indianapolis Colts follower for my entire life. I'm a big Colts fan. The Andrew Luck retirement for me takes them out of the running to win that division when you have to go up against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Now I realize there's, you know, maybe we don't trust the Texans. There's a lot of dysfunction there in terms of they're going without a general manager. They just brought in Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills got rid of their potentially their best defensive player in Jadeveon Clowney. There's a lot of shuffling going on in Houston, but when you have Deshaun Watson, you have that dynamic quarterback. This is where I was like, Evan, you're still you're gonna t- take Jacoby Brissett over Deshaun Watson. Look, and if I'm wrong, I will take it on the chin like I'm supposed to. <laughs> but it's just I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, Kansas City is gonna win the AFC West because they just they just are. I don't see how anyone stops Patrick Mahomes. This is looking like Arena League when they when the Chiefs play. And I just trust the organizational structure of Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to be fine. They still like James Conner has proven that he can play. Uh, the receiving core is a bit of a question mark, but I just have faith that they're going to figure it out. And then, then the wild card, I have the Browns and the Chargers rounding out five and six. So I have the Houston Texans missing out of the playoffs altogether. I, that's bold on your part. I, I but I, li- I like you going out on a limb there. I've got the Patriots in the AFC East. You laid it out. Impossible not to pick them. The only reason the Patriots would not win is if Tom Brady, you know, heaven forbid, gets injured. Bill Belichick decides to go on sabbatical. 
they're going to roll through that division, especially what we saw with the Jets, with the Dolphins. I, too, have the Steelers in the AFC North. The Cleveland Browns and the hype surrounding Cleveland coming into this season, I do not have the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs. I have the Steelers winning that that division, the AFC North, as you mentioned. And for me, I know you have the Browns in one of the wildcard spots. I just... And, and, and to be perfectly honest, I, I hope they prove me wrong in the respect that, look, there's been a lot of conversation surrounding this team. There's been a lot of hype with bringing in guys like Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield coming off a, a very good rookie season, Jarvis Landry's in the fold. You've got an impeccable tight end in David Njoku. You've got second-year running back Nick Chubb. You've got all these pieces working together. But I'll tell you the reason I don't have them making the playoffs. One is the rookie head coach in Freddie Kitchens. I don't necessarily know if I trust that he's going to be able to juggle all of that. And the second thing is, and you look through the test of time and you look at teams that are able to make the playoffs and sustain postseason runs, it starts up front. And I trust Cleveland's defensive line. I do not trust Cleveland's offensive line and them giving away the offensive lineman in the trade for Olivier Vernon. So you give away an asset at a position that you're not necessarily strong in anyway to bring in another deal. I don't know. I just, I'm not buying. And like I said, I hope they prove me wrong because they have the potential to be an exciting team. But Evan, I don't know where you, how you feel about them. I, I just, I can't buy into the chaotic offensive line play, which we saw at times last year, and we definitely saw in week one, and then the rookie head coach. I, I just I, I can't buy into those two things. If I if I if you were to ask me to seed them, uh, they would be number six, just barely getting in. Because every year there's always a wild card team that you look over and you're like, they have no business being a wild card team. And last year that was the Chargers. Like the Chargers won eleven games, but because Kansas City went on this rampage, they were forced to be the number five team, and I feel like the same thing's going to happen this year, which means that there's going to be a glut of nine and seven, eight and eight teams fighting for that number six spot, and someone is going to go home empty-handed, and the way I see it, uh, that somebody is going to be Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. No, that's completely Fair. I have the Texans winning the South. I think Deshaun Watson is too formidable, uh, especially offensively. I with J- with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, I just don't see the Colts being able to. Let's say you just throw defense out of it and you have to go score for score. Houston could put up some points. I don't necessarily know if I trust that Colts offense to do that in the AFC. Uh, I'm you know in the AFC West, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that's going to, you know, Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. I too have the Chargers in the wild card. And in a similar situation, as you mentioned to last year, I think they can be an 11 12 win team. I, you know, I, I just see the Chiefs winning the division. So unfortunately, you're going to have, well, fortunately for the Chargers, unfortunately for that glut of teams in the middle in the AFC East, the Chargers are going to take a spot. So that leaves one AFC wild card spot left. And I actually put in. Before the season, you know, like we said, we made these predictions before. I actually have, and you've got the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, Cleveland. They're kind of that three-headed monster. Maybe the Steelers, if, you know, that the way that division plays out, those things could interchange. I have the Tennessee Titans in that spot. And I, I feel... I feel a little bit better after they beat the Cleveland Browns in week one. Now, I know Cleveland is going to be better, and if they were to play again, depending on where that game was, I would probably take the Cleveland Browns. But I just think this is a prove-it year for Marcus Mariota. I I have faith in the Tennessee Titans defensively. This is a team that consistently has been 9-7. Uh, and seven. They've been consistently right in the thick of things. This is a team that has not been able to beat Andrew Luck and the Colts. And so now if you take him out of the equation, you're able to take one, maybe you take both of those games, 
including one of them coming up on Sunday. And then all of a sudden you are able to vault yourself into that playoff position. So call me crazy, but I'm going to going to bet on Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans to take that sixth, uh, that sixth spot and, and get that last AFC wildcard. And when you say couldn't beat Andrew Luck and the Colts, like we mean literally could not beat them. Correct. Andrew I Luck did not lose. Andrew Luck did not lose a single game in his career when he played against Tennessee, including last year, Week 17, when it was winner, when it was winner take all. Because a lot of people, I don't know if they remember, but Tennessee hung around for a good chunk of last year, and going into Week 17, it was winner take all. Winner goes to the playoffs, loser gets nothing. And and that's a good point. That was Andrew. a winner take all game. Uh, but Week One was. Week one had a lot of game had a lot of weird games. Like we were talking, like everyone around the Baltimore Ravens talked about how oh we're gonna have like the greatest rushing offense ever, and then Lamar Jackson came out and put up like <laughs> this is like putting Madden on rookie and just it would be like if you messed up it would be like if you messed with the sliders where it's on rookie difficulty and you just turned the sliders all the way up. He threw five touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. Which I know, like, Cody, we knew the Dolphins were going to be bad, but, oh, boy, I don't think we thought they were going to be that bad week one. No, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, you've got you've got reports coming out that players went to management and asked to be traded after that first week one loss to Baltimore. And you talk about Lamar Jackson real quick, and we'll dive into more, but he had six yards rushing. Everybody thought Lamar Jackson would have to come into the NFL and be a running back. The guy had over 300 yards, five touchdowns, and only six rushing yards. So that speaks to the work that he put in, especially in the offseason, and the ability of Baltimore to surround him with some some more, uh, give him some more weapons to be able to take that next step. And I know it's only week one, but it looks like Baltimore is definitely going to be in the thick of things in the AFC. So Evan, as the Patriots, the Steelers, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Browns, I will take the Patriots, the Steelers, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Tennessee Titans. And uh, let's slide to the NFC real quick. Evan, you and I have the same field in the NFC, but some things shifted around. You have the NFC East winner being the Eagles. I have the NFC East winner being the Cowboys. Both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Why do you have the Eagles as the division winner versus the Cowboys in the wild card, and I have it the other way. Uh, well, because to spoiler a future uh, prediction, uh, because Carson Wentz is going to be 2019 MVP, and when you give him, like Deshaun Jackson looked like 25-year-old Deshaun Jackson again against uh, Washington. Like he, The Eagles fell into a 17 to nothing hole and then climbed out of it and outscored them, I believe, 32 to... I think they outscored them like 32 to 10 the rest of the game. So it's it's just a case of I just think Philadelphia's roster talent is superior at least from an offensive standpoint in my opinion when you have Carson well Carson Wentz I don't think it's arguable like Carson Wentz is I don't want to say better cuz that's just a subjective semantic term but if I had to pick between Wentz and Prescott I would take Wentz uh, he's got Alshon Jeffrey. He has Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar. Zach Ertz is a good tight end. He's got a good three-headed monster in, you know, Darren Sproles, who's 36. Jordan Howard, who they got from the Bears. Miles Sanders, the rookie from Penn State. Granted, like, they only had 100 and something yards combined in rushing. But just from a roster standpoint, I like Philadelphia more than Dallas, even though since uh, Dak Prescott entered the league in 2016, Dallas has the best record in the NFC. No, that, that, I mean, that's completely fair. And it's widely regarded that this, you know, this Philadelphia Eagles roster, you just ran through it, especially offensively. This roster is potentially the best roster in the NFL. I think the Cowboys roster rivals this. They're able to sign Ezekiel Elliott to that deal, get him in camp. Dak Prescott and, and the Cowboys went off in week one. We also understand that the Giants are, are not going to be very good, especially defensively. Uh, 
they were brutal against the Cowboys. So you have to look at that result and and a little bit of grain of salt there. But Dak Prescott has weapons as well. And I agree with I, I agree that Carson Wentz is from a from a physical standpoint probably more gifted in terms of arm talent. But I don't I don't know if we can say that Carson Wentz is definitively better than Dak Prescott. And you mentioned some of the semantic terms. I mean, Dak Prescott has proven that he can win in the NFL. He's a winner in the NFL. Now, whether you want to say that he's a system quarterback, whether you want to say that it's because of the success of all of the different pieces around him, you know, Patrick Mahomes is successful because of a lot of the different pieces around him. Now, he's a great individual talent as well, but I don't I don't think Dak Prescott gets enough due for what he's able to accomplish. And so I have the Cowboys winning the NFC East. But, I, I mean, Evan, I could see this being both of these teams are 13-3. and three. They split at each other's place, and this thing comes down to, like, winning percentage in conference games or something like that. So I can, I can see where these teams are going neck and neck for that division uh, crown, and so that would push somebody into the wild card then. Uh, well, the next two games for Dallas are at Washington and home against Miami. So there's a... Yep, it's highly, three and, oh there. and then Sunday night, September 29th, in the Dome at New Orleans. That's going to be a big test for that defense with uh, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, uh, Byron Jones, I believe is the corner's name. Yeah, they have, uh, they have Byron Jones. They have uh, Awuzier, a couple of, couple of nice uh, cover guys as well. You talk about defense... A defensive performance that we saw from the team that we both have winning the NFC North. Boy, the Green Bay Packers look like they found themselves a defense. Or they found themselves a Trubisky. Uh, I think that was kind of like a, a 50-50 thing, whether both things can be true at the same time. A, the, the Packers found themselves a defense, and Mitch Trubisky went out there doing Mitch Trubisky things. No, that's a, that's a completely fair point as well. Uh, that, that game was the opener and and real quick on the the Thursday night game it was br- you it was brutal on both sides i think you saw trubisky did not take uh aaron rodgers did not take a single preseason snap i don't believe mr trubisky took i want to say 5 but he handed the ball off 5 times he didn't attempt to pass so you saw some really rocky things there i trust aaron rodgers more than mitch trubisky i trust aaron rodgers more than i trust kirk cousins and if Aaron Aaron Rodgers can get any semblance of the defense that they played against Chicago replicated, the Packers are going to win this NFC North. We both have the Saints in the NFC South. Uh, both have the Rams in the NFC West. This isn't very exciting. You have the Cowboys as the wild card. Uh, and then I have the Eagles by virtue of the Cowboys winning the division. And then we both have the Falcons as the second wild card. And I know that Atlanta did not have a good showing against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota to open week one. The Vikings were able to um, handle Atlanta 28-12. to Dalvin Cook finally healthy again. Looks like he he's going to run rampant this year, have a nice season. But, you know, Evan, last year Atlanta suffered a ton of injuries, especially at the back end of that defense. I, you know, with them coming back healthy this year, I see this being a playoff team. You obviously have them as well. Are we crazy here on this? I don't think we are. No. Uh, week one and week two, like September is kind of like the new preseason in the sense that regular, like the ones almost never play in preseason. So September is just kind of like them getting like their legs under them. Because remember, this time last year, going into week two, like, Blake Bortles lit up the New England Patriots, and Jacksonville went nowhere, and New England won the Super Bowl. Uh, I, You kind of have to take these early games with, with a grain of salt a little bit. Uh, the, how they were able to beat Atlanta is because they just got a lot of turnover luck, and I don't think Atlanta is going to turn the ball over multiple times a game. Uh at least I hope that they don't. Like, the idea that Matt Ryan's going to throw two interceptions, like, that's not going to happen every week. So this is just, in my view, more of an aberration than just a definitive, okay, yeah, this is just who Atlanta's going to be this year. 
Uh, Devontae Freeman had eight carries for 19 yards. That's not going to happen again. Well, and an interesting note to point out as well, you mentioned September being kind of, you know, kind of like the, the preseason still. I think the number was five or six playoff teams last year lost their first game. So, you, I mean, you know, in classic overreaction fashion, you know, everyone kind of going south on some of these teams. I think the Falcons are going to be one of these teams that's going to be able to right the ship and get themselves uh, into the playoffs. You have, well, I, I won't spoil your fun, but your Super Bowl matchup is what? Uh, it is the Andy Reid. It is the Andy Reid revenge game, where between Kansas City and Philadelphia, with Andy Reid finally getting that Super Bowl. He finally does it because he probably would have won last year if D Ford was about eight inches onside. But well, that. That that you are one hundred percent correct about. I have the I have the Eagles as well. I have the Patriots. I pick against the Patriots every year. I'm just not doing it this year. I'm gonna ride with Tom Brady. Uh, his kale pajamas, you know, whatever he's doing is remarkable. I don't know if we're ever going to see a run of dominance by a quarterback like this again in terms of winning. And I pick against them every year. And so I did last year as well. So this year, you know what? I'm taking the Patriots. I'm not going against Tom Brady. Now that means the Chiefs will probably make it through or somebody else. And the Patriots won't get things done. But I'm taking the Patriots over the Eagles in the Super Bowl. My MVP is Patrick Mahomes. You alluded to it earlier. You have Carson Wentz. Um, My defensive player of the year is Aaron Donald. I'll take Christian McCaffrey to win Offensive Player of the Year. And I'm going to take Matt LaFleur to win Coach of the Year with the Green Bay Packers. With them 6-10 and 10 last year, I think they spin that thing around and he gets Coach of the Year votes. Uh, he takes that home. I won't rule out Kyle Shanahan as well because I think that in San Francisco, uh, he's going to get some Coach of the Year love. Your MVP is Carson Wentz. How do you see defensive player, offensive player, and coach of the year shaking out? Uh, my my defensive player of the year is uh, Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns, and I know that like everyone's already in fire Freddie Kitchens mode after getting dominated by the Tennessee <laughs> Titans in uh, in week one. Like everyone's already saying fire Freddie Kitchens, but Miles Garrett last year he quietly had 13 and a half sacks but we were all talking about baker mayfield last year that you i don't know how many people like realize that miles garrett last year had 13 and a half sacks he could probably have like a 16 and a half 17 sack season and i could see him winning defensive player of the year because he's got a good defensive line where this isn't like the cleveland defensive line is one guy and they're gonna triple team uh, Miles Garrett, and then the other guys are going to pick the bones. They, like they've got Larry Ogunjobi, they traded for Olivier Vernon. Uh, that secondary drafted Greedy Williams out of LSU. Denzel Ward had a good rookie year, so I see a good combination of overwhelming pass rush and coverage sacks uh, helping that. My offensive player of the year was I was torn between Saquon Barkley and Michael Thomas, but I just decided that I was going to go with Michael Thomas instead of Saquon Barkley. Michael Thomas last year led the league with 125 catches, 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns. I have no reason to believe he can't do it again. Like he had 10 catches for a buck 23 in week one. Even with a declining Drew Brees, I can still see this guy grabbing, I don't know, 115 balls for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. No, those, I mean, I, I see those numbers playing out as well, absolutely. The reason I took Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to be just a workhorse for that Carolina team. His dual threat ability, uh, I think he's got a real, real shot to challenge that 2,000 scrimmage yards. He's on pace for it now after one week. Uh, They're going to rely on him heavily. Uh, McCaffrey, that is, especially until Cam Newton is able to really get back into health and really get back into um, regain his form after the shoulder injury. So I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey there. And part of the reason why I took Michael Thomas is he has an absurdly high catch rate. Last year, he caught 85% of the passes thrown his way. 
Which is stupid. In week one, he was targeted 13 times, caught 10 of them for 77%. Yeah, that's just, and I uh, say stupid in a good way, like that, he's an absolute machine. If you throw it his way, he's he's bringing it in. Uh, can, so, can we check him for stick'em? Uh, uh, but coach of the year, I went with Frank Reich and because coach of the year is, it's becoming a lot more of like a media narrative award of, Hey, person we didn't think could do a thing. You did, you did a thing. And I think that when Andrew Luck retired, every, like the people who don't follow the culture, like, well, they're going to go five and 11. So like, if he has his team at nine and seven, 10 and six, they're probably just going to give it to him. Because Coach of the Year has kind of morphed into like a Did You Defy Media Expectations Award? Not necessarily Coach of the Year. Like Bill Belichick hasn't won Coach of the Year in over a decade. Well, so, right. And we can all understand that he, well, that, you know, that's kind of the MVP thing. I mean, for years, and obviously with me as a Colts fan, but I mean, you, you looked at the years that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were battling it out. If you took those two guys off those teams, like those were those were probably the two most valuable players in the NFL to their teams and I totally agree that Bill Belichick is he is the the best coach in the NFL but it's not the best coach in the NFL award as you point out that wins coach of the year so I think that's an astute assessment on your part to say you know somebody's going to swoop in here that you know we we didn't expect or or you know, we don't think the Colts will be any good, and if if Frank Wright can be 500 or win nine games, he's going to win that award. So that uh, that makes a ton of sense there. Staying in the NFL, I want to shift to this Antonio Brown saga. I guess it is. He is now, as many of you know, you've been following this whole fluid situation. Antonio Brown is off of the Oakland Raiders. He's now a New England Patriot. There's new allegations against Antonio Brown. Uh, he's been accused of sexual assault by his former trainer. That was according to a lawsuit uh, that was filed here in Florida, in the Southern District of Florida. That was filed on Tuesday. Um, his former uh, trainer accusing him of sexual assault on three different occasions uh, in 2017, 2018. Uh, very serious allegations against Antonio Brown. This goes on top of all of the other things that come with Antonio Brown and that we've seen in this offseason. And Evan, I've kind of got a timeline of events here in this whole Antonio Brown saga. In week 17 last year, you know, he missed the game against the Browns the last game of the year. It was a must-win game. Uh, He had altercations in practice with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he left practice. He, he missed practice. He showed up to the game expecting to play. Uh, they didn't play him, so he left at halftime, this whole circus. They trade him to the Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick. Uh, then he comes in in August. He suffers uh, frostbite on his feet from a cryotherapy chamber, so he's unable to practice. Then he holds out because of the NFL's helmet policy. And... Uh, I have to say I was kind of on his side a little bit with the helmet thing because Tom Brady kind of went through this as well. There have been different players when the NFL switched uh, and disallowed some of these uh, some of these helmets here that didn't conform to the league's new helmet policy, you know, as they kind of continue to shift and push for player safety. Brown didn't want he didn't want to give up his old helmet. And so he filed a grievance with the NFL. He threatened to retire at one point. I don't. I don't think any of us thought he was going to do that, but he threatened to do that. Uh, he he missed practice for a couple of different weeks. Uh, Mike Mayock, the general manager, says, "Hey, man, it's time for you to be all in or all out." Um, Antonio Brown was given a grace period to phase out the helmet, um, but then he filed another grievance again. You know, just. Ridiculous stuff there. Then he is fined by the Oakland Raiders for missing practice, uh, missing a walkthrough, for missing training camp. He was fined. Um, He was fined for posting a photo of the fine letter that he got um, 
informing him of those different fines. This has been just ridiculous. And then he returns to practice. John Gruden says, yeah, Monday night against the Broncos, he's going to be out there. Ben Brown asks for his release. He gets it and signs with the New England Patriots. This has been, Evan, this has been ridiculous to follow. And now with these new allegations tacked on, I mean, do do you see this thing working? I I guess, first of all, are you an A-B conspiracy theorist in the respect that all of these things or many of these things that he was doing were to get out of Oakland? We'll start there. Okay, well... I was at first. Uh, you know, you've seen that meme from, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where, like, the guy standing in front of the board with, like, all the papers and everything. That was me when this first happened. Like, I was <laughs> I, I was that crazy conspiracy, always sunny meme. But then the more I think about it, the more I was just like, okay, I have two thoughts. A, damn, Hard Knocks left a week early. And, <laughs> and two, can we get a 30 for 30 on this, like, tomorrow? Like, oh, uh, like I, I need a 30 for 30 on this, but I, at first, like, the most compelling or damning evidence against him would have been when the Raiders cut him and he posted that video about, like, celebrating that he got cut. Like, I've never seen someone so happy to lose $30 million. And uh, I've never seen a more professionally produced video about video about a guy losing his job. Very, very high quality stuff. I know, like whatever they're paying that videographer, it's not enough. No, uh, he's he's not making enough money. Whatever they're paying that guy, it's not enough. Uh, but I just think that there was a po- there was a point where he wanted to be in Oakland, and then he just kind of looked around and he's like, "Yeah, this team's going nowhere. I don't want to be here." So then he just started acting crazy to the point where, like. Do you, do you know how good at your job you have to be if you try to fight your boss and the boss is like, cool, see you on Monday, and, like, <laughs> nothing happens? And how good you have to be at that? But I don't know if this is going to work in New England because Bill Belichick does not suffer fools. Like, ever. No, and he like, does not. And the second you're out of line, he will get rid of you. And he has demonstrated that he has no problem getting rid of you. I, I'm interested to see how this works out. I was firmly on the AB conspiracy train, but now that <laughs> I've had time to think about it, it's like, you know, I just don't know what to believe. I mean, I'm not so far in it that he frostbit himself on purpose because that's just, like, you could lose your toes and your foot by doing that. But Be insane. Yes, all of those things. I like sometimes Twitter is like a wonderful and disgusting place at the same time, and that was kind of where we were with like the AB Twitter with all like the Patriots memes. But this has just been a bizarre six months, of, and especially about the Gruden record. Which, by the way, recording a phone call is super illegal in the state of California. And I guess it came out that Gruden was cool with it. Yeah, well, I guess he was like, oh, that's okay. Go, you well, know, that's that fine. Point, that's awesome. Whatever. I, like, okay, dude. I mean, like, I guess you got his permission, but it's still like, I can't believe you did that in the first place type thing. Or like, and if you're Mayock at that point, it's either I got to go or he's got to go. Because if, because if Gruden, because l- let's make no bones about this. He, like, Mike Mayock might be the general manager. But John Gruden's the one who has the authority there. Like, and if, oh, John, no and if John Gruden wanted him on that team, he's gonna be on that team. Like, especially after all that stuff with Mac went down, they didn't suspend him. He was still gonna play. But when nearly they, came to blows with the general manager and the guy that's punted a football, screaming obscenities. And the best part of it, as Vic Tafer pointed out, who covers the Oakland Raiders. The guy who was restraining Antonio Brown was Vontez Perfect. I mean, you can't write like there. There isn't a better script for a movie or a documentary than this. The, the, this whole saga, there just isn't. When Vontez Perfect says you're acting too irrational, I think I need to reevaluate my life choices. That is a, that is an excellent point because we have seen 
the fines, the suspensions, the hits, the plays that Vontez Perfect has had in this league when he's the guy holding you back and when O.J. Simpson posts a video telling you to calm down, there there may need there 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 may need to be some sort of okay, I need to step back here and, and reevaluate what in the world is going on. It's a one year deal with the Patriots. It's fifteen million. I think it's nine guaranteed. I was not on the conspiracy train for the fact that he had thirty million dollars guaranteed in Oakland on the the I believe fifty million dollar deal. Why would you give up now? Now, granted, you know, if he's able to come in, he's able to perform with the Patriots for one year. Maybe they bring him back for a second. Maybe he's able to behave and he signs a, a long, a longer term contract or gets more money in the future. And, you know, he's able to make more. But he had $30 million guaranteed on the table. AB wanted, Antonio Brown wanted to get paid. But as you pointed out, I think he got to Oakland and he realized. Okay, this I wanted to get my money. I didn't want to get my money and play for the Oakland Raiders. And I think that when he got to he got to Oakland, he realized I want the money, but I don't necessarily want to be here. And he was able to you know, that he was able to pass up that and and maybe the future earnings ends up being a wash. I'd have a hard time walking away from 30. I uh, play for a year or two and, and figure it out from there. For me personally, I this there are so many layers to this that it actually kind of gives me a headache trying to unpack it all. But I I, I don't think that there, like we kind of see this thing happen in the NBA where guys are able to sort of like malcontent and bully their way out of situation. Uh, see Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, like like even like even Jimmy Butler in Minnesota like didn't try to fight Tom Thibodeau. I mean, he made he made uh, Andrew Wiggins and Carl uh, Anthony Towns look like punks, but like he didn't like th- challenge management. Like this is yeah, he's not like running up the ele- you know not like riding up the elevator to the to the owner's office and like screaming and coming to nearly coming to blows with them. In the game of zones parody, he did, but not in real life. Uh, th- <laughs> right. This is. Uh, someone needs to make a thirty for thirty about this. I I will I will donate to that Kickstarter. Oh, one hundred percent. And with this new allegation, this is going to be something that continues to be in the news. Antonio Brown is eligible to play this week. I would be floored if Antonio Brown played this week in Miami. Uh, what's the NFL Here. record for points in a game? Like seventy three. I think so. They could probably get that by halftime. Looking yeah, at the, looking at this Miami defense, with the Patriots' weapons, they probably could. I would be shocked if Brown played in Miami, uh, where basically where these allegations were filed. So I'm going to say that you know the investigation uh, is underway by the NFL. The Patriots, you know, are are going to they're going to look at those things. The NFL is going to make a determination. I can see. I definitely don't see AB playing this weekend. In my opinion, I think it would be ludicrous if you sent him out there uh, especially if you were able to find out that if, if it proves that these allegations are in fact true and these things did occur the backlash that you would have there I, I just don't think it's worth it to play him so I don't think he plays this week but we will see Antonio Brown's uh, Antonio Brown in a Patriots uniform Evan couple of impressions uh, for you from week one I know you were talking about Lamar Jackson that's something I think that jumps out to both of us. But uh, before we move on to college football, give me give me a few of, of the different impressions that you had from the week one results in the NFL. Uh, I think the first impression is whoever was betting on the first rookie court, if you picked Gardner Minshew in the first rookie to play pool, you were a very happy man. Um, he looked pretty good. Against Kansas City, he set, he either set or almost set, like, the completion record in a debut, and Gardner Minshew was a sixth-round pick out of, uh, out of Washington State, I believe, is that where he went? Yeah, Washington State. Yeah, yeah. Washington State. Uh, no, Browning was the guy that went to Washington. Okay, I was, I got those guys confused. Um, 
I don't think Jacksonville season is over, but it's going to be a even longer climb than they had Nick Foles. Uh, but I think my primary takeaway from Week One is this Jameis Winston Tampa Bay thing just isn't going to work. No, he's not uh, getting another deal. Uh, he's going to be. He's probably going to be in the XFL next year, and. Unless like he's on like a low risk backup deal, like how Blake Bortles is with the L.A. Rams. If you're if you're Evan, if you're a Buccaneers fan, ball is snapped to Jameis Winston. He drops back. There is le- there is legitimate concern where you there's a there's a chance that a team can score on every play, and it's pretty much an equal chance that it's the defense. As well it is as well as it is the offense because you've got Mike Evans on offense at, at wide receiver, but Jameis Winston has no problem throwing it to the other team as well. It's going to be a long year in Tampa Bay. It, it is going to be a long miserable year for them, but they do have. Uh, Tampa Bay does have one of my favorite stories. Uh, there's a running back on that team named uh, Dare Ogumbawale who played at who played at Wisconsin. And his sister, his sister is Arike Ngumbawale of uh, the WNBA, who you might remember hit that buzzer beater for Notre Dame in the Women's National Championship. Uh, he's finally getting his chance to play, so I'm rooting for that guy. Oh, absolutely rooting for him. I think she's with the, is it the Dallas? Is it the Dallas? Uh, Dallas Wings, Dallas yes. Wings? Yeah, yes, she's had a fantastic rookie campaign. So absolutely watching that story, but I will absolutely not be watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh New England, you had destroy Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, with Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh's going to be fine. You know, they've got to figure a few things out, especially at wide receiver. Uh, we talked about already Minnesota defeated Atlanta. Baltimore destroyed Miami. Lamar Jackson looked like a Hall of Famer. He was 17 of 20 for 324 yards, five touchdowns, and he only had six rushing yards. This was a guy coming into the league that people thought would have to play a different position. I learned now, something only, during that. I learned something during that game. Apparently, Archie three is still a thing. Like I forgot he was still in the league. Oh yeah, he's he's a backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I forgot Archie three was still a thing. I, I, I learned that last week. Would you have guessed that RG three lasted longer than Andrew Luck? The answer is no. I don't uh, care who you. Are. No, absolutely not. <laughs> You're lying if that's not the answer. Uh, who would have predicted that Tom Brady would have outlasted Manning and Luck? That is also a good one, and I don't think you'll see many people that uh, that would have thought that. Kansas City with a 40-26 to win over Jacksonville. Sammy Watkins went bonks. Kansas City scored on their first seven possessions, so clearly Mahomes and company have this thing working. Uh, Tyreek Hill gets injured in that game, so Sammy Watkins becomes even uh, an even bigger part of the picture moving forward. And he had nine catches for 198 yards and three touchdowns. So I don't know how you can be a bigger part of the picture than that, but he's going to have to be with Tyreek Hill out. But good news for Hill, I think they're expecting four to six weeks with that shoulder injury with Tyreek Hill. He's an extremely exciting player, so happy that it's only you know uh, four to six weeks of an absence for him because he is one of the most uh, one of the most electric guys in the league. You mentioned that Philadelphia Washington game. It took a while for Carson Wentz to get going, but when he did, I don't think anyone could have predicted the chemistry that he and Deshaun Jackson have with each other. Jackson with a, a buck 54 and a couple of touchdowns. And week one, you know, we all like to overreact, but boy, that, that MVP pick from you looks pretty good after one week. Yeah, um, a couple things on Kansas City. Uh, one, Sammy Watkins at one point was... He's either a top 10 or a top 15 pick. Uh, went to Buffalo and Los Angeles, never really clicked anywhere. So, you know, it was going to click for him sooner or later. And I think they'll be fine without Tyreek Hill because they kind of drafted Tyreek Hill insurance with Meikle Hardman, the kid out of Georgia. But Patrick Mahomes is out there. This is looking like an arena football team. Like, he's just going <laughs> out there. Just This kind of reminds me of, like, I, I was alive for it, but I was only, like, six years old, so I'm not really – I don't have vivid memories of this. But this is kind of like – the greatest show on turf, 99 Rams. Uh, I'm getting some serious 99 Rams vibes from this team. Like, Patrick Mahomes, there is a chance that he could regress, but regression could mean, like, 4,700 yards and 39 touchdowns. Like this Yeah, he's guy, not going to throw 50 again, but he's, 
I mean, he could very, very well throw for 45, and people will be like, oh, he took a step back. Would you say that he is the most dangerous player in the league? That's a good question. I mean, I think that he's he's the most dynamic at quarterback. I don't know. Most dangerous, I would probably go with like a McCaffrey, a Barkley, a Zeke Elliott, just because of the dual threat running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. But I mean, Mahomes is definitely like top five on that list for sure. But I'd probably go with one of those two-headed uh, running backs. That's probably where I would go with that. And also, my last hill I'm going to die on, can we just abolish ties in football? Can we just get rid of that? Please? That was brutal. And like, that's where I was going to go next. Too. Granted, neither team deserves to win that game, but come on. Ties, what, what are we doing here? Is Kyler Murray going to work out in Arizona? Uh, it depends on your definition of work out. Uh, if by work out, is he going to go like, is he going to take him to the Super Bowl in 2022? Probably not. But is he going to be like serviceable, win six or seven games, and like Arizona isn't a disaster? I would say, yeah. I guess it depends on your definition of workout. Yeah, Kyler Murray uh, tying Matt Stafford in Detroit, 27 to 27. Arizona was down. I think it was 18 points in that game. Part of the reason they were down 18 was Kyler Murray. But then Kyler Murray able to get into a rhythm that offense in the fourth quarter really. Really attacking Detroit with the short passing game. Kyler Murray really getting into a rhythm, was able to lead the the Cardinals back, and they're able to tie that game. I'm totally on board. Please get rid of ties. I'd rather see a field goal kickoff. You know, I'd like to see the two kickers go at it rather than a game just end in a tie. I, I I'm with you there. I can't stand that. Okay, so that's gonna that kind of wraps up our our NFL chat here in episode one of the From the Booth podcast. Uh, we've got plenty coming up. The Carolina Panthers Buccaneers are the Thursday night game this week. Uh, we've got um, a ton of football in both college football and the NFL as those two seasons crank up. We're going to shift to college football here. We've got a couple of different college football topics to cover here on the pod. The first one we're going to go to is favorite college quarterback. And you and I were kind of talking about this leading up to the show the guy you like right now in college football is probably not a guy a bunch of people are keeping an eye on. Uh, did you watch that LSU-Texas game? Every moment of it. That Joe Burrow kid. There is something. I, I know that I'm not a scout. I'm just some guy in Iowa who like watches sports with his, on his free time. <laughs> but that Joe Burrow kid looks like the real deal. Like, he Texas, I mean, I know the joke for all these years about the Big 12 is like it's basically flag football and nobody plays defense, but Texas was a top 10 team. Like, you know, he wasn't carving, he wasn't playing some D3 team that's just happy to be there. No, and probably will be a top 8 or 10 team come the end of the year as well. They're a good team, Texas. I mean, Ed Ogeron, I know people criticized the hiring when it happened, like really, Ogeron for LSU, but how about that 3rd and 17 throw? Like, as Bill Rafferty would say, the onions on him to make that throw to Jefferson. Like, there is something about this Burrow kid that I really like, and I think that come NFL draft time, you're going to hear his name a lot coming up for round one, round two. Well, I... I and this is kind of something else we were going to touch on. I like this LSU team to be able to challenge the likes of Clemson and Alabama, because I think Clemson and Alabama are clearly one and two in the country, whichever order you'd like to put them in. I'm not going to sit here and split hairs for that, but you look at that next crop of teams. And I think LSU is right there. A, a major addition to this team, as you mentioned, and that has helped Joe Burrow, the addition of Joe Brady as the passing game coordinator. This is a this is a guy who's 29 years old. He was with the New Orleans Saints for the past couple of years, uh, working under New Orleans uh, uh, and Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator in New Orleans. This is a guy who's, you know, and, and for as long as I can remember college football, LSU is nasty on defense 
they usually have a couple of excellent, excellent athletes at wide receiver and running back. But kind of mad and, quarterback. And kind of kind of mad quarterback, get us through the game, make a few plays. We saw LSU go to Texas and play like they were score points like they were Oklahoma or another Big 12 team. This is a team to watch out for in terms of challenging the likes of Clemson and Alabama, in my opinion. They had three wide receivers have over 100 yards in that game. That's absurd. Uh, when you look at like the LSU record books, a lot of the records have been held for like 20 years, and and they're held by a guy named Rohan Davey. I don't know if you... Are you familiar with Rohan Davey? No, I got nothing. Uh, he was Tom Brady's backup, spent some time in the Arena League. He was there of like 2001, 2002. But LSU is always ha- you can always count on LSU to produce good defensive players. Uh, LSU has produced Patrick Peterson, for example. But I think Joe Burrow wasn't you know he's just a classic guy of like he went to Iowa, he went to Ohio State, couldn't really break through, and then he goes to LSU. I mean, his stats weren't overwhelming last year. He completed fifty eight percent of his passes, sixteen touchdowns, five picks last year. He's already had nine in two games in 2019 with for LSU. So he's so he's already in two games had more than half of the production that he had last year. The, you know the SEC like we talked about in week one, like the back half of the SEC was calling it bad, as you said, was generous. But the top half of the of the SEC, Auburn with a freshman quarterback, is a top ten team. Georgia has Jake Fromm. They're in the discussion. I think there's a good crop of teams that could eventually rise up and challenge LSU and Alabama. I just don't know if this year is the year. No, that that's that's completely fair. If Burrow can continue to play like this, I think this year LSU could push. But I agree. You know, you're looking at some of these teams, uh, as you mentioned, with Auburn and Georgia, especially with the the young quarterback to be able to the young quarterback in uh, Bo Nix at Auburn, you're looking at this top part of the SEC. You're going to have some slugfests uh, here late in the season as those teams continue to go. Trevor Lawrence is the guy for me, uh, quarterbacking the other Tigers, the Clemson Tigers. I, I I don't know if I've seen anybody as NFL ready at the college level as Trevor Lawrence. I think Andrew Luck is a guy that we saw do that. Uh, I think it, it, it can be difficult to predict the success with that transition. But, boy, Trevor Lawrence looks like an absolute surefire thing as a number one pick in the NFL. He, he has the size. He has the arm talent. Uh, he, he makes good decisions. He can make every throw. Granted, he has a ton of weapons uh, at Clemson to be able to work with. But Trevor Lawrence is a surefire number one draft pick uh, in my eyes. He can't come out this year. I think it'd be next year for him, for Trevor Lawrence. But, boy, that guy's fun to watch, too. And, like, he's got, like, just a calmness and a confidence about him that makes you want to root for him. Like, he was a true freshman lighting up Alabama and then Ashland. You know how many 18-year-old, 19-year-old true freshmen would have been, like, having an anxiety attack in the tunnel? And to be like, I can't do this, I can't do this. But he's like, okay. He went out there, and he, you know, he's there's a calmness and a coolness about him that just kind of wins everybody over, and I really appreciate that about him. Another quarterback in that kind of upper echelon is the guy leading the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tua Tungavailoa, who a lot of people have already said is going to be the number one draft pick and the tank for Tua mantras with Miami, with Denver, maybe some of these other teams, you're not sold on Tua as the top pick in next year's draft. Why not? Well, because of how the last two picks. uh, So how many people in September were saying Kyler Murray is going to go number one? Nobody. Nobody, yep. Two years ago, how many people said Baker Mayfield was going to go number one? Nobody. Like, I found a way too early mock draft. Uh, that was published in August of last year. It detailed the first two rounds. You know where Kyler Murray was? Second round? Wasn't on it. Oh, dang. So, 
he was so going into I know that was just one random example that I found, but it was like the most detailed one I could find where there was a they did like a USA Today draft wire way too early picks that was published before the start of the NFL season in 2018. They had Kyler Murray as at best a third round pick. He went number one overall. So I what outside of Andrew Luck, when was the last time you walked into a season knowing, barring some sort of catastrophic career-ending injury, this guy is going to be the number one pick, no matter who's sitting at number one? Almost never, and I think Trevor Lawrence is that next guy. Trevor Lawrence, like, Tua Tagovailoa is an incredibly talented quarterback, but how much of that is him, and how much of that is the cast around him? Like, Josh Jacobs was the third-string running back, and he was a first-round pick. Uh, it's you just don't know how much it is between the talent around him and and his personal. T- I'm going to tell you a story, Cody. Uh, growing up, story time. Let's go. I'm ready. Gr- growing up, uh, when I was when I first started watching college football, I was probably about nine or ten years old, and Miami was the team. That was the Miami with Clinton Portis, Andre Johnson, Jeremy Shockey, Sean Taylor. And I thought Ken Dorsey was the man. I thought Ken Dorsey was going to be the best thing to the point where I actually cried as a 10-year-old when Ohio State beat them in that <laughs> Fiesta Bowl. And I thought I thought that Ken Dorsey was going to be the next big thing. He was the best team because I had no concept of like college to the NFL. I was a 10-year-old. So I just thought, well, he's the quarterback on the best college team. Well, obviously he's going to be great in the NFL, and it has never worked out for him. So uh, that that is my story time. Yeah, that's uh, you make a great point. I mean, how often can we say, you know, almost never that we think this guy is going to be surefire? I don't think I I I don't think that guy is Tua this year. I think that guy is Trevor Lawrence next year. Uh, and kind of the last thing, real quick, on college football before we wrap things up. Game day this week going to. Ames, Iowa, for the first time ever. Evan, are you going to college game day? Are you going down there? Okay, first of all, it's college Ames day. Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Actually, it, it's trending on Twitter. It was a it was a hashtag. It was a whole thing. And uh, two, no, I am not. I will be sitting at home watching the Iowa Iowa State game, uh, not knowing who to root for because, unlike a lot of my high school classmates, I don't have any allegiance whatsoever between the two schools because I didn't go to either one of those schools. So I'm just going to sit there and just watch the game and just hopefully it is a fun, entertaining game between Iowa and Iowa State and uh, hopefully uh, they have a good time down in Ames because uh, it's, 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 ni- it's a nice place. It should be a pretty entertaining matchup. 67th meeting between those two teams. Iowa won 13-3 last year, uh, if, I cor- if I recall correctly. Iowa coming in ranked 19th in the country in the most recent uh, top 25 poll. Iowa State is receiving votes. Uh, Iowa State barely got past Northern Iowa uh, in a, a triple overtime thriller in the first game of the season for uh, the Cyclones. Iowa is 2-0, and uh, obliterated Miami of Ohio, uh, obliterated Rutgers. So this is the first real test for Iowa. A uh, big test for Iowa State as well. Big game for Matt Campbell and Iowa State on, in his third season to try and get a big signature win here early in the season. But uh, I think that's going to that's going to wrap it up for our football discussion here on episode one of the From the Booth podcast. Evan, this has been fun, man. It has been fun. Uh, I feel like we missed something in college football that we talked about. Um, uh, are we are we going to talk about uh, college football panic buttons after week two? You know, you know what? Let's let's t- let's table that. Let's get let's get one more week. So. Our college football panic button. Let's let's make that a segment for next show because I like that. I'm writing that down right now. Uh, college football panic buttons uh, because let's get one more game under our belt. I think we've already gone on uh, gone on long enough here in this episode, but uh, I, I think that's something we should definitely look forward to uh, next segment. And I think that's something we can do in the NFL. 
let's continue. Let's do. Let's make it a week two overreactions and do our uh, our NFL panic buttons. But um, from the booth podcast episode one, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, do us a favor. Uh, this show is going to be posted. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are going to have the From the Booth pod posted. You can follow us on Twitter. We will post the show episodes on Twitter at From the Booth Pod. That's at From the Booth Pod. You can get the uh, links to the shows and you can follow those links to listen to the podcast. We will have different content that Evan and I post, just different thoughts and predictions on on games over the weekend and throughout the week and just different thoughts on sports on our Twitter account. So at From the Booth Pod, you can find it there. And then wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, hit us up. Do us a favor, hit subscribe. Uh, You'll be able to get new shows every week. Make sure you leave us a review. I know especially with Apple, the the whole thing that they have, algorithms and whatever processes they use it helps us out to give us uh give us a good rating and give us a review if you liked the podcast uh if you didn't like it well uh, i mean just uh just keep that to yourself uh we <laughs> we'll we'll appreciate that if you do that special thanks shout out to evan uh my co-host evan Eichen. Uh, i've always enjoyed talking sports with him and really glad to be able to get this thing underway and get this thing started uh, with Evan Eichen. Shout out to Tony Huynh, uh for the awesome logo art. Uh, our logo, uh, the From the Booth podcast, the, the, the artwork that you're going to see when you download the podcast on Apple, the the little profile button you're going to see on Twitter. That's courtesy of Tony Huynh, who uh, uh, designs for the Orlando Magic. So big, big stuff from him. Uh, go check out his work with the Orlando Magic and uh, go follow him on Twitter. Uh, as well, Tony Wynn. Big shout out to him for the logo. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. This is going to be a weekly thing, so make sure you dial us up every Wednesday from the Booth Podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at From the Booth. For Evan Eichen, my co-host, I'm Cody Clark. We'll see you back here next week. We're out.